0: If that is your real name.
1: What a what a grand old time. Here we are. We're just kind of just wound up here. I don't know what we're doing. I forget.
0: We're doing the Lord's work, man. That's what we're doing. We're doing the Lord's work by coming together here and answering questions that were posed to us because we had a call, and apologies, it's taken so long to get to this. We've been busy, busy people, but we put a call out and said, hey, if you write us a five-star review on iTunes, we will do a special show wherein we answer your questions. So we got to go back. A ways. I think the first one we're answering is from the end of July, but we were going to answer questions and people can continue to do this. We will continue to answer these, you know, every every few months. So, T- hopefully we'll try to do it quarterly, but write us a five-star review on iTunes, pose a question, and ideally the 3 Lines of Liberty will answer it. However, we got big timed, didn't we, John? <laughs> yeah, big timed by one of our uh, our dickhead cohorts here who's not on the
1: show. Well, you know, I'm not gonna th- throw throw stones here, but
0: uh he's a dick, but so yeah. His name might begin with M. It might end with a C. The first letter of his last name might be C. Anyway, regardless, we are we're, here for the people. Yeah, regardless, we're we're all busy people. It just so happened
1: that Brian and I care more about no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Brian and I <laughs> normally do our uh, Degenerate Gambler Gamblers show in this time slot we're recording, and it's a Super Bowl, so we got a week off. So we're uh we're slamming this in here instead.
0: There you go. So we're gonna give you guys a solid, hard-hitting half hour answering your questions. So, John, Mister Odormat, are you ready for the trivia round? As far as these five-star questions, I thought are you were
1: gonna ask me if I was ready to roar. I was gonna are slap you, no, you God, in the face.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready to rectally prolapse? That's a that's what I ask people. <laughs> they always say no. They always say no. Okay. So first question. This is being posed by Rebel Rachel, and this is back on uh, at the end of July, 728 2020 So she has a, uh, she says, I have a question. I am a conservative-leaning libertarian, a libertarian at heart. I have a hard time identifying with the left-leaning libertarians. If you could explain the difference between left-leaning, right-leaning, and middle-of-the-road libertarians for me, I'd be interested in what you think the differences are.
1: Well, I mean, that's a very interesting question, very relevant to... uh the current state of the Libertarian Party, and I think it's difficult to pin down exactly what left libertarians are thinking. I'm not one myself, so it's hard to hard to identify. I guess the the way that I would that I would approach this, and I, I can relate to Rachel in that I am also I come from a, from a conservative viewpoint, and when I talk about being conservative and also a libertarian, people say, "Well, how can you be a conservative and a libertarian?" Um, Well, it just means that I'm the type of conservative that, you know, has certain values, but I don't want to enforce my values upon other people like conservatives in the Republican Party would want to do. So it's perfectly acceptable to be a conservative and be a libertarian, just like it's perfectly acceptable to be a liberal or a left leaning libertarian, as long as you are not trying to uh, push those views and, and change the way um, that, that use the force of government to try to change or, uh, influence the the way that people are acting. And I mean, I think the, the, probably the debate that people come back to and we're left libertarians, at least in my mind have gotten sort of a bad name is with the attacking of the Mises caucus. And of course, Dave Smith debated Andy Craig on this program I don't know, two, three, four months ago, whatever that was. I don't understand time anymore. But uh, what it turns into is these left libertarians um, end up calling the rest of the libertarian party or right <laughs> libertarians, whatever, end up calling uh, people like Dave Smith Nazis and uh, and names like that. Just for the simple fact that someone like Dave Smith would say that, you know what, We we believe in uncensored speech. And if somebody says something, uh, you know, that might be offensive or might uh, rub people the wrong way, uh, as long as you're not exerting force against someone else, it's perfectly fine to do that. So I don't know what's what's your take on it, Brian?
0: Well, I'll I'll go a little bit more pragmatic because you took it a, 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 I think a direction that needed to be discussed, but I'll go from it at it a little bit more I think simplistically when I when we're defining it. For me, I would say I mean I am a right leaning libertarian, and what I view as right leaning tends to be more in the pure vein of a Rothbardian libertarian, uh, somebody that's more anarcho-capitalist and more towards the anarchal side Mm -hmm. So for me, that's right-leaning. A centrist to me would be more of, I guess, uh, the pragmatic caucus would be centrist, even though I find them to be attacking Mises as well, as Zodi referenced. But I, I view a centrist more as... We, You know, sticking to the foundational principles, the non-aggression principle, but fairly simplistic in the way that they view things, like they don't really want to upset the card. Probably most of them are minarchists, for example, is a centrist libertarian to me. Um, you're probably looking at people who don't necessarily want to wade into a lot of battles as far as taking on, you know, the the language of the left or fighting with, with necessarily um, cultural topics and race topics. There are more people that are looking at simply lessening the size of government live and let live type of governance and they don't really care about trying to force the issue to get us down to a pure anarcho state then on the left you have people like you know the socialists like the mike shipleys of the world um and and also people that you know like andy craigs who might be a little bit more willing to engage in the culture wars and are pushing for more equality on a level that we would not say, is is actually the application of equality. It's more of the social engineering aspect of left libertarianism. It's trying to be a little bit more, in my opinion, authoritarian as enforcing a lot of cultural um, reflections that they feel need to happen. But in in my opinion, also are violating a lot of the main issues that are involved within the non-aggression principle because you are forcing people to adopt your way of looking at things and you're trying to damage them by coming at them and calling them bigots and racists and whatever else now that, that how does that work out? I mean, do you think that sums it up pretty well, Odin?
1: Yeah, I, I think m- maybe a piece of it too, is, you know, the view on property rights. I mean, mm-hmm. really coming yeah. from the, uh, the, the right view, or I shouldn't say it that way, the right right from, view c- coming from the, uh, Rothbardian view. Um, you know, it would, it would, Libertarianism is based in property rights. Property rights really is the foundation. And then you have on the left... Um, that's sort of thrown out the window as you have this rent is theft movement yeah. and, uh, they're willing to, you know, get the government involved in order to, uh, you know, come down on the evil landlords and, uh, re- regulate things to an evil, to an even playing field, things, things of that nature. And of course, everything's nuanced. Not everyone on the left thinks that way. Not every, not
0: everyone on the right. Yeah. We're others, speaking I in broad, broad terms as is the nature of the question. Yeah. Okay, I think we did pretty well on that one. If we didn't, Rachel, write another. Have a friend write a five-star review and ask for more clarification. Uh, you want to read the next question? No. Cody <laughs> <Nobody laughs> has no idea where we're going. He's like, I don't well, know. Where did we're going. you so you pulled these up? Where did you pull them up? I'm pulling up. I sent you a link. So these I'm looking at the uh, our Apple Podcast page gotcha. on yeah, on my desktop. So the next one coming up is from Sir Thomas Fairfax the second. It was left on 731, 2020. Uh, He says, my question for the show is while I'm a libertarian, I strongly disagree with keeping the American military neutral, leaving many countries to their own devices could prove a huge error. If Iraq can build a hydrogen bomb, not only could they kill thousands of people, but they could knock the earth off its axis. If you doubt this, look it up. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to look at whether or not the hydrogen bomb can knock the earth off its axis. However, I will take a stab at, at addressing the uh, the concern and the primary question. Are we so, even you know, sure that hydrogen bombs are real? I mean, Aha! <laughs> agreed. Is that was that an Owen, <laughs> Owen Benjamin theory? That yes, that's definitely. Uh, he,
1: I think he did a whole podcast with Dave Smith on that. a Couple, of yeah, years yeah. Like a year or two um, ago.
0: <laughs> so, in regards to the military neutral, I mean, for me, and, and I think I think John, you and I might have had a little bit of difference in opinion on this back in the day at one point, but. For me, I believe that the military absolutely has to be neutral. I don't believe in... Uh, actually, I, I think I know what we we settled on, which is works both ways. But anyway, I believe that it has to be neutral. I don't think that we have a, a prerogative. I don't think we owe an obligation to any other nation to get involved in anything that they're doing. And simply saying that somebody could, in theory, harm us or harm somebody else without the proof of that action, I mean, we see the consequences play out. We saw WMD's Serve as the reason for us to go in and overthrow a dictator, you know, destroy a country which is still not rebuilt and still is suffering, just dis- you know, destabilize an entire region, and for what, you know, for nothing. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't prove that the outcome is any better for us having gotten involved, and simply because somebody has uh, a potential to develop a weapon doesn't mean they ever will. And also, our getting involved might in fact exacerbate that problem and spur on the creation of said weapon, which could lead to our own destruction. And, John, I remember you and I were talking about this uh, way long ago, years ago, where it's kind of like that question of if you hear your neighbor beating his wife, do you intervene? Right. Mm -hmm. And it comes down, I think, to a matter of personal prerogative. If you believe that the other country is doing something evil and you want to personally go, that's your prerogative. But for me, for my tax dollars and my military, I can't condone that.
1: Yeah, I, I thought you were going to say if you hear your neighbor beating his wife, you uh, throw the join shopping him? cart that you left in your yard in, <laughs> at them. But then you, in order to get that joke, you got to join the pride and uh, you'll or listen to Bravo and Beer or other podcasts.
0: Yeah, which we're recording we're, right after this. <laughs> but, yeah,
1: but I, I think yeah, I mean, I think I changed the I'll change the way that I answer this question to to kind of agree with you and then kind of just set the stage for if we lived in a more free society, what it, what, what I would say, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, under the current constructs of our government, you know, we have a wildly corrupt government that is controlled by the military industrial complex. Uh, I don't trust these crooks to do anything right, let alone to decide who, where they need to intervene or what they need to do in foreign countries. So, under the current circumstances of today, or really anything close to the circumstances of today, uh, yeah, we should not be intervening. Anywhere, uh, just because it's going to be for the wrong reasons and it's going to do more harm than good but every every single time, just by the nature of the setup we have. But if we lived in like more of a you know, I know way back in the day, uh, Mark interviewed uh, Shane Whistler on this. He's he, he's interviewed quite a, quite a few different different uh, different characters talking about things like city states and and other ways to set up a more voluntary government. And if you had like a, a city state government, and then city states could, you know, opt in voluntar- voluntarily to have a, uh, you know, a more robust uh, federal type government, but voluntary between, you know, city states to come up and form a, a common military uh, that you could, uh, you know, protect your common interests. A situation like that, yeah, of course, because it would, it would be based on consent. And at the end of the mm-hmm. day, it comes down to, to consent. In the current system, we have zero consent. We have our tax dollars uh, stolen from us. And if you've seen our Taxation is Death t-shirt, then uh, you know what we're talking about. If you haven't seen it, go to lionsofliberty.store and go buy one and uh, your friends will love it. Actually, I was wearing one yesterday over at my friend's house who is a uh, Trump supporter and he said, I love that shirt. That shirt's awesome. So it's
0: catching on. <laughs> Taxation is done. And then you punched him in the face and he said, if you really loved it, you would have stopped Trump from bombing Yemen. <laughs> exactly. And know that one more thing I'll add on this just for 30 seconds, and then we'll move on to another question, is that um, you know the other thing to remember, too, is when you're talking about any sort of involvement and, and, and action, we are talking about sending people off to die you know, your neighbors, your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, people you don't even know, but that didn't sign up for this specific action. And you are, you are literally, as we say, taxation is that the odds of everybody coming home safe and untouched is is nil. Even in the Iraq war where we dominated, right? We had more casualties from friendly fire. I think still 3000 Americans died. So, you know, are you comfortable sending men off to die based upon an unknown? Real quick, since John and I took the time to record this bonus, I'm going to tell you about our other podcast, Bravo and Beer, and also play you a little clip. Check it out. As I've described it, it's uh, our irreverent, off-topic, non-political podcast that is absolutely hilarious. Take a listen, and then go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review if you'd be so kind. And uh, I guarantee you're going to love it. You're going to cream your jeans. All right. It was like one of the people, I, I swear to God, it was uh, Weaseltooth Tooth uh, McHennessy that said it, but maybe it was somebody else. But some friend of theirs named Olin or Ogin said, like, oh, Olin says a stingray, his skin is softer than the inside of a vagina. And then I think the dad was like, well, uh, a bunch of things are. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, you're that rich. I guess you get to experiment putting your dick in all sorts of shit. (laughs) This guy just goes around with his billions, putting his dick into shit and seeing if it's softer than a vagina. You can have a worse life.
1: I will say for, for a billionaire, the guy, other than, you know, making fun of poor people in the first, uh, last episode, he seems like a pretty decent human being. I don't know. doesn't seem terrible. All he
0: wants is a styrofoam cup and hot dogs. um okay next let's see I, I can
1: read the next one this, this will be a, an easy one i think okay. so i don't know this guy's screen name but it's got some numbers and signs and things I, but, is he
0: swedish i say something basically <laughs> I, I don't know a lot of runes There's a lot of runes in his name
1: <laughs> um and we might be looking at different ones i'm talking about the one that says uh, these guys are
0: great and yeah, I, I see seven a v symbol money symbol <laughs> i don't know what you have on your screen
1: He's, he says he's been listening for a while. Uh, loves interacting, and uh, he started his own podcast called Utah Liberty Talk. That's a free plug, free plug
0: right there. You're welcome. Hopefully, it's not dead. I, I'll say <laughs> how sad would it be if we took so long getting back to him on this review show that he already gave up? He's dangling from a rafter with a noose around his neck and a note on his chest that said, "Why lines of Liberty? Why?"
1: <laughs> Hopefully, we're doing this review just in a nick of time to save his life. <laughs>
0: he's gonna he's gonna hit play in his podcaster, step off the chair, and be like, "Oh shit! Oh shit!" I'll try to. Try to get himself back off the news. Well, it says here that he had
1: Joe Jorgensen on his show before she won the nomination. So he must have been doing okay. Or maybe yeah. Joe just went on any show, anybody that called her. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> um, so he wants some advice on how to grow his podcast. Do you want to start that off?
0: Uh, number one advice on how to grow a podcast is be ready to just be depressed and suck ass for about a good solid year. Because building a podcast audience is unbelievably difficult. I mean, we we talked about Bravo and Beer, our other our show that's non political, and uh, we're spinning it off to you know it's fun number one, but also to try to grow support for shows that aren't necessarily liberty focused, but to get more media attention for libertarians where they're not outwardly libertarian, right? But even that, you know, we've got a, a, a huge platform with Lines of Liberty. But even trying to get people to that is a challenge, you know. So growing it is a grind. You have to put in a good year. You have to be absolutely consistent. That is a key, you know, whatever it might be. If it's weekly, if it's two weeks, stick to that because if you start missing shows and you're unreliable, people aren't going to listen. Um, and then my third thing would be, you need to develop a very unique voice, something different for the marketplace. Otherwise, you will just blend in and fail and no one's going to really pay attention to you.
1: Yeah. I I would just uh, reemphasize you got to do it every single week. You know, I see all these people starting podcasts and maybe I know people that have had podcasts for years and years, but they don't do it consistently. They'll do one, you know, every two or three weeks. And then they, they wonder why they're not getting any traction every single week, pick a day, release it on that day. And, uh, just put your head down. Don't look at the numbers, keep going. And, uh, yeah, you got you got to find some way to be unique. So, get really good at something, or zero in and you know start researching one one uh you know part of the market, zero in on that and exploit it. You can always you know zoom out and uh, expand later, but definitely recommend getting a uh, a niche.
0: Yeah, having having guests on always helps too. You know because they can echo and, re- and introduce people to your podcast from their audience. That helps. Um, obviously being well-known in the community, you know, getting involved in forums, don't spam the forum with your podcast, but Please that don't helps do that don't do that. Uh, advertising, if you have money for it, advertising another podcast is absolutely a key to growth. Mm-hmm. It's probably the fastest way to grow if you have the money, but, um, it's still a grind. Okay. Uh, da, 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 best show ever. It is the best show ever. No question there. Just a, a good comment. Solid. Um, okay. How about. Well, uh, now I think is that it? Is that it? Is that it? Maybe that's it. Maybe we got through. I feel like that was too short, but maybe that is it. All right. All right well Hold on, we hold on. It. We
1: we got another one here.
0: Um where is it? So click it through zip to expand eight, on something. 827. Mm-hmm. This
1: guy's been a listener for a while, learned a learned a lot, blah blah blah. Okay, yeah, there we go. Cover all the bases, interest interviews, round tables, blah, blah, blah. Um,
0: Oh, so this, this, is question, a good, this is a good long one. This will probably take us to the end of the. Yeah. The
1: so the question is: Who can defend private property? Is it only the owner or the people the owner gave permission to that can right, rightfully defend the property, or can anyone who wants rioting to stop pick a block and say, you know, no riots here? So if you work at a store in a strip mall, the owner and you defend it in a riot, can you defend that store only? Every store in the strip, or are you in the wrong if you try to defend you know, other people's stores, things like that? On top of that, how aggressively can you defend? Can you draw a line in the sand that is obvious to everyone and say, anybody that crosses this line, it feels lethal force, or do you have an obligation to use non-lethal force first and rely on the, uh, the warning being just that, your warning, uh, this part's a gray area, I am all for supporting the defense of private property, but how much force... And where it can be used, uh, I'm unsure about. I'm much more interested in more in the morality aspect as opposed to the legal aspect. It is more universal since laws will vary so much from state to state. Thanks for everything you do, John's the best. Brian
0: sucks. Okay, uh, I must be looking at a different different writing than I am. All right, well that's a, that is a long question. Do you want to start, or do you want me to kick it off?
1: Um. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a take a whack at this here. So, I mean, we were talking about private property earlier and, you know, I I am, I'm at libertarianism from the mind that private property is, is the most important uh, foundational principle of libertarianism. And you know, and just to kind of reinforce what he said at the end there, we're not talking about current laws here. So I don't want to get feedback on this same, well, but the actual <laughs> law says this. So you're wrong. I don't, I don't care. Um, but yeah, from just a moral standpoint and in a more libertarian, a more liberty based society, um, this is, this is what, what I would advocate for. Um, first things first, when you talk about lethal force, um if you feel that your life is in danger or your family's life is in danger, you are permitted to use lethal force. Um you know, if 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 you're if you're on your property, of course, number 1, but I would also argue, I mean from a moral standpoint, if even if you're not on your own property, if somebody's attacking you or attacking your family, you are permitted to use le- lethal force to to stop them. So Kind of going from there and, and branching out. So he brings up the example, you know, if you're working in a uh, in a store in a strip mall, maybe in a GameStop, you know, maybe the multi-billion-dollar <laughs> company that is not <laughs> GameStop until it all crashes down and comes crumbling down, like crashes the entire market. But so say you're working in a uh, in, in a GameStop and somebody comes in and they start stealing a bunch of shit. So what are you allowed to do to, to defend it? Can you just shoot him, shoot him in the head and say, well, <laughs> you're not kidding that game, you asshole. I killed you, you idiot. <laughs> I would say no. Um, it, it, I mean, it comes down to weighing, you know, what's, what's really, you know, Who's being harmed? What's being harmed? Is there, or, you know, like I said before, are you in danger of being physically yeah. harmed?
0: Proportionate um, violence. Yeah,
1: pr- proportionate. Yeah, exactly proportional violence. So can you can you punch him in the face? I would say yes. Um, kick him in the face, absolutely. Kick him in the nuts, sure. <laughs> but uh, you cannot just shoot someone in the head that's you know committing petty theft and. I forget where I was going with that. Do you, you want to take, uh, take a look at for a minute? Yeah,
0: well, I mean, uh, so the next question is, you know, can you defend only your store or every store in the strip? I mean, this kind of, when I was reading it, reminded me of kind of a reverse tragedy of the commons, right? You know, the tragedy of the commons is that anybody can use this public space, do whatever they want to it, and that's why it gets all shitted up, right? Well, why can't we look at it from the opposite perspective, wherein these are the commons that we all share. The strip malls, in fact, you know, it is private property. You have a, a store within that. But as a whole, it still does impact you. If all these other stores are burned to the ground and you're the only one standing, there's number one, nothing to say that your store isn't next. There's no, number two, no guarantee that your store won't be damaged by virtue of these other fires spreading or whatever damage is spreading that the entire strip mall might end up having to be redone and boot you out. You know, so you, I think you do have the right to defend other property that's adjacent to you, or that it would be in your interest or the interest of somebody that you know. I mean, if we look at it, you know, from you're talking a morality perspective, obviously, if, you, if I see somebody taking a baseball bat to Odie's car, I'm going to laugh. But if I see somebody taking a baseball bat to somebody's car that I like, I will come up and punch that guy in the face and I'll tell him to knock it off. You know, this is what. if he sees
1: Rico taking a baseball bat to my car,
0: then (laughs) Rico. More likely, we see Rico stealing the stereo out of your car to sell it to pay for his child's uh, his polio braces. (laughs) But you know, I think that again, this using this this reverse tragedy of the commons concept, it's like anything. If you have you do have a moral obligation, or at least you have a moral choice to make, wherein. If it's something being damaged that is adjacent to you, if it's somebody you know or property that is in your purview, I think that you have every right to stay it, step in and say, hey, knock it the fuck off. And if they are being violent, you can use proportional violence to stop that action.
1: I, I would agree. Yeah, it's as simple as that. If you go to the neighboring store and try to stop someone from from stealing something or setting it on fire, and they, you know, turn around, take a swing at you, or, you know, swing a uh you know, crowbar at you or something, game's on at that point. I mean, if someone's mm-hmm. swinging a crowbar at me, I'm allowed to use lethal force because that's, I mean, that could kill me easily.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and Odie put it exactly right uh, before within, in regards to lethal force. Yeah. I mean, there's always that question, when do you pull? You know, it's like the old six guns and the cowboys, you know, do you draw first? Well, yeah, sometimes. I mean, if I had a gun and, and, you know, it's like, honestly, I was amazed at some of the restraint shown during the Black Lives Matter riots when people were walking down the street armed with rifles You know, the fact that nobody got shot in the standoff in the suburbs with the guy and his wife out there and he has an AR and there's people walking around the neighborhood carrying ARs. I think if you're that couple, you I would say, I I mean, not that you necessarily want to raise that gun unless they're raising theirs, but I think they would have been in their rights to to take at least a few warning shots. Um, You know, you no one can tell for sure when you're going to be stabbed in the face. You know, you have to take a guess. And you, all you can do is take in the surroundings, the environment, who you're dealing with, all those things come into account uh, with life and death decisions. So, yeah, well, that brings up another interesting
1: question. With uh, you know these riots we've seen, or even before the riots, the, but just when they, they were doing protests, but now it's even kind of more, more, more uh, of a problematic situation. If your car gets surrounded, you're driving down the street. There's a yeah. the protest. There's a riot, and there was a there was a, a libertarian who was. Shot and killed, but um, he was in a crowd surrounding. I think he had his, his uh, gun drawn. He did have his gun, shot. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know what? That honestly, if I'm in that situation, I'm in the car. If I'm in the car alone, maybe I act a little differently, but if I'm in the car, if I have my family with me, I am going to be very much on edge. And if that car yeah. gets surrounded, I'm getting the fuck out of there. And if I have to yep. run someone over, I don't. I don't care. I, I'll run people over. I'm getting out of there. I'm keeping my family safe.
0: Amen. Uh, I agree completely. There's. And, I, I think it's insane the reactions of some of these people when they're when they do get surrounded by mobs and then they act furious when they run them over to get out of there. What do you think is going to happen if you surround somebody's car and start banging on it in a mob? What the fuck do you think is going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... It's not smart. Not smart. It's, it's just idiotic um let's see anything else there yeah i think we i think we got it all i think that was a good little episode so guys we will do these uh-oh uh somebody just posted a question as well there's one more somebody just posted how did it
1: know it's a
0: dick posted <laughs> two days ago i'm changing my question for brian from inferno oh, inferno eight Uh, how do you feel now that Rob Schneider is going to do a part two on the Tom Wood show? Is that confirmed? That's my question for that. Is that confirmed? Wouldn't surprise me. I would feel that Rob Schneider has betrayed me, that he is a Judas and that, uh, I don't know, man, you know, it's, I will, (laughs) I'm pissed off. Yes. I, I won't say I'm not pissed off. Um, that, uh, you know, that Rob hasn't been on the show yet. But at the same time, I'm I'm a professional, and I will not allow that to uh, to get in the way of having him on and having a great conversation, so that all of you may benefit, and that Tom Woods may see how a interview slash discussion with a comedian should be handled to the entertainment of all, rather than boring them to death. I'll just I'll just say one thing. I mean Tom
1: Woods, love the guy, one of the greatest libertarians. Oh, we all
0: we all love Tom. We all he's
1: fantastic. Love him. Writes uh writes a new libertarian book in like a half hour, and he's like, Yeah, you know, it's as easy. I just write a book. Um But you know what? If who do you want to interview Rob Schneider? Tom Woods exactly. or Brian? I mean, come on, exactly. it's, I don't think I need to say anything else about that.
0: Not even a question. And I should I think this uh I'll say, well, I can say by the time this airs, because I'm going to put this out probably next Saturday, Odie, because we've had too many uh, back-to-back-to-back Saturday shows. So I'm going to put it out next Saturday. But by that time, I should have had Dave Rubin on um, Mm. the show. So at least there's a nice nice Schneider-adjacent comedian (laughs) slash philosopher. If not, (laughs) you can just edit this part out. (laughs) Exactly. I'm not editing shit. That's a lot of work. So there you go. But yes, uh, I, it, it angers me that Rob is going to be on Tom once again, if that is in fact true, but whatever, you know, whatever, man.
1: I'm actually Some more angry that Tom hasn't had you or I on than that would have. He, and he's having Rob on for part two. I mean, Rob yeah. Schneider just became a libertarian like last week. Come on.
0: Yeah. And here we are sitting here. Beautiful. We're like the hot chicks on the wall in the, in the gym at the dance. And there's just a bunch of nerds standing across the room. Nobody will ask us to dance. Sad.
1: Yeah. Tom's like that, uh, you know, awkward kind of goofy looking guy that for some reason (laughs) the chicks want to bang. doesn't make sense.
0: (sighs) I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe he's got a nice car. Maybe, (laughs) maybe his dad owns a shoe store. Do we know that? Can somebody fact check if Tom Wood's dad owns a shoe store? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Any last words, Odie? Otherwise let's bravo and beer it. No, that's all I got. All right, guys. So remember, you can add a uh, five star review. We will do these of uh, every three months. So if you want to ask us a question of the Lions of Liberty, go on to your iTunes because that's the most popular one. Write us a five star review and a question, and we will answer it forthwith. Until then, be good. And uh, for Odie, you know, always keep the fires of liberty burning. There you for go. For me, I always stay plugged into Liberty. Audios. see you.